0: Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santopadre. We're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Fertorosa. Our guest this week is back for a return engagement because he just can't get enough of us. A five-time Emmy-winning writer, producer, and director, with hundreds of credits, he's created hit shows like That Girl and Kate and Alley, written and directed TV movies, feature films, and dozens of pilots, and scripted hours and hours of some of the best and wittiest comedy ever seen on network television, including 29 episodes of what many consider to be the greatest situation comedy in the history of the medium The Dick Van Dyke Show On his long strange journey Through show business He's written for and worked with everyone Yes everyone Including Sid Caesar Julie Andrews Sonny and Cher Steve Allen George Siegel, Betty White Andy Griffith Michael Caine Goldie Hawn George Carlin Tim Conway and of course, his mentor and longtime friend, Carl Reiner. And if all that isn't impressive enough, he also wrote a hit song about the Brooklyn Dodgers, danced with Gene Kelly, drank sake with Peter Sellers, and watched Orson Welles pee on a 2,000 year old wall. <laughs> Please welcome back to the show our very funny friend,
2: Bill Persky. God, I did all that. You
0: did. I really did all that. You did. I
2: really did all that. (laughs) God, it was fun, too. I just had such a good time. I never really had... A bad experience, except I don't know if I mentioned this last time, doing Welcome Back, Cotter.
1: No, you didn't get to Welcome Back, Cotter. please. So tell us, by all
2: means. (laughs) When I I stopped, Sam and I, who had a great partnership, but I wanted Sam Sam Denhoff, and I wanted to become a director, which is a singular thing. So we ended the partnership— And in L.A. in Hollywood, if you have a partnership, everyone's afraid to hire either of you because they don't know where the strength was. You know, (laughs) so who was the good one? They'd Uh ask people, "Is he? Is he the strength? Is he the what did he do?" So I was a director, and I really, I really didn't have any credentials to be that, but I I just wanted to do it. So the first job I got, George Shapiro again, the great George, the killer George Shapiro, he got me three episodes of Welcome Back, Cotter with Jimmy... What was the... Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy Comac? Jimmy Comack. And I was very excited about it. First of all, I have to tell you, the only person on that show that I liked and who was a really great person was Travolta. Uh-huh. He was a sweetheart. All the rest of them were pains in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm directing the show, and we have a run-through, and Comack... Is criticizing everything that I've done, and I really felt, you know, well, Jesus, my first directing, maybe I. Didn't. Then the second day, everything he does. he's the. It was the worst experience in the world, and I found out. I said, you know what, if I never work again, I don't want to do the next two shows. I thought you were we were friends, you know, and you're you're acting like a real prick, and it turned out that he had an anger at me. For an Emmy award that we Sam and I won over something of his, and he was like getting even by humiliating me and wow. and, and stuff. But that was the only bad experience I ever had. He told you that he he. No, I, mean, was, I found out Oh, from you found somebody out. Else. right?
0: So a little petty thing like that.
2: Hey, yeah. Have you looked at the government lately? <laughs> <laughs> well, you
1: have given us a segue since you used the word prick on your IMDb page. <laughs> So there's there's quotes. Bill Persky quotes, and the first one, the first thing you're quoted as saying is what a prick Joey Bishop was. <laughs> True,
2: he was mean. But yeah. well, you know the great story where he played twins on the show. No, Gary Mar. Uh, Dear Gary, oh God, Oh, uh, we should talk about. We'll I'm talking about Gary, Gary. I know Marshall, Gary too. from 1950 when we were at, when we were both getting started, and we had a group called the Ten Scribes. We were gonna write a Broadway show. You we all were working for like thirty dollars a week at places, and we were gonna write a show. And in the group was Saul Turtle Wow, uh, still around. Billy, Billy Angelos, who was a award winner on Carol Burnett, uh, Fred Freeman, and and Gary, who were partners, and Sam and me. And I never told you about that. No, I don't oh, think you God. did. Anyway, I'll tell you the thing about Gary. He worked with. Uh, Joey a lot and he was I have a show on, on Sirius you know Radio Andy go ahead plug it no it's okay okay it, it, you know it's $125 you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, the sh- it's the cab fare what's the show and where can people find it well it's on Sirius Radio okay. on Radio Andy and I've interviewed uh, the the thing that was amazing was that I interviewed Gary two weeks before he passed away and I have to tell you, he was the most energetic. I mean, if hmm. you'd have said who in this room is going to not be here in two weeks, it would not have been him. He's He was working on a musical of Pretty Woman. Oh, yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah.
1: We wanted him on this show desperately. Oh, uh, you know, he is. For personal reasons, we were is, sorry to see him go. He but.
2: is so, he was one of the best. One of the best joke guys. Belson good to, was good, Belson too. Belson was Jerry dark. Jerry Belson. Jerry was dark, but good. So anyway, they worked for a lot for Joey Bishop, and they did a show where Joey played twins, played both characters. And he started to get really upset. And Gary couldn't figure out what it was. And he finally said, Just Joey, what's wrong? He said, the other guy is funnier than I am. And he said, You're both guys. <laughs> 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 You're both guys. Oh, God. Yeah, but he was mean. He was a mean guy. Sam and I wrote one of those, I think. The Joey Bishop show? Yeah, Yeah, you wrote Joey's Mustache. Joey's Mustache.
1: It says you wrote two: Double
2: Play from Foster to DeRocher to Joey. Oh, God. I forgot that. Gary Marshall, the funniest, he did a show called Hey Landlord. Oh, sure, with Sandy Barron. With Sandy Barron. And we used to have a commissary on, on. We had the best studio, we had five stages. And we had the Dick Van Dyke show, I Spy, Joey Bishop, Gomer Pyle, and Andy Griffith all at the same time. You know? Sheldon Leonard was. Sheldon was there, but yeah. and then when one of them went out, Gary and Jerry did a show called Hey Landlord, and we had a commissary on Hal's Studio Cafe. And it was the worst. I mean, it was so terrible. And all these stars are eating there. And they would bring bus tours of people in to eat with the stars. And Andy Griffith and I, we had him buy a turkey every week just for us. He cooked it so we could have turkey sandwiches because that was all we could eat there. And Hal was always behind the counter. He had an apron from the Civil War. I mean, doing Amputations. He, I mean, it was the dirtiest, <laughs> bloody I mean, it was just unbelievable. And he never changed it. And when Hey Landlord was over, they had a, uh, a rap party at the at the at the studio, and they hired some guy to do the food. And Gary got up and said, uh, "The food is really good. We wanted to have Hal from the studio cafe do it, but he was booked." They're having a cockfight on his apron in Tijuana. <laughs> you guys were friends for a long time. Oh, God. And Gary, yeah, and Gary, and Gary, yeah, yeah. yeah. If
1: you if you watch interviews with Carl about the, the, the early Van Dyke episodes, he yeah. says, well, he says you and Sam saved his life, yeah, yeah. basically, but also Gary and Jerry.
2: Gary and Jerry were terrific. They were the only people you didn't have to rewrite a lot, you know. There was always tremendous rewriting. You know, back then we were doing 39 shows a, a year. It's a lot. Not 20. It's like two seasons now. So, what happened is you didn't have a layoff. I mean, you had 13 weeks between production, but you had to start the shows. And uh, so, we'd bring writers in and we'd lay out a story for them in most cases. And then they would bring in a draft because we needed 10 shows. In the works, because they get used up, you know, one a week, and it takes you three, four weeks to get one. So we had shows. We had a guy who won a Writers Guild Award for a show that he had, like, four words in, you know. And what happens with a lot of writers, I don't mean to slam writers, but, you know, you rewrite and you rewrite, and they think it's theirs. I mean, another guy who we had, Danny Bonaducci's father. Oh, Joe Bonaducci. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He came, And he said, we did a lot of work on the show. And when, it, when we shot it and he was there, he said, you know, I got to tell you the truth. I didn't see that much in it when I handed it in. I said, well, you know, the stage changes everything. He had no idea.
0: Now, here's something about uh, TV directing. Like, I, uh, do you think, how much skill do you think it takes to be directing a long-running show? Well,
2: the, I have two answers to yeah. that. The regular director is like, well, and I direct as a writer. So I change things and do rewrites as I'm doing it. But most most directors who are regulars on a show, they're protected by, because situation comedy, it's all about the writers. You can call them producers. You can call them whatever you want. But it's, all the, yeah. it's all about the showrunner. It's all about. And executive producer who was a cousin or, you know, somebody. (laughs) But a a director who comes in on any series, I would say, whether it's drama or a situation comedy, you come in after the cast has done 10, 20, 50 shows. What are you going to tell them? Your character is You kidding. And then they say, we'll do this. You move over there and they'll say, well, I really can't because that there's a, they know more about where they can sit, where they can't sit, what they can do. So it takes skill. You have to know what you're doing. In the camera work, you have to know what you're doing. But in situation comedy, so much of it is already patterned that you're not going to change anything. You're not going to come up with something that changes a character or you know, what I mean, you're you're pretty much a traffic cop in a, in a lot of ways. Now there were good traffic cops and bad traffic cops, but by and large, I mean, like Jay Sandridge and and you know was not a writer, but he was a very good director. He had great taste, and and he you know he did Mary and and they mm-hmm. listened to sure. him and and uh, Jimmy Burroughs. Jimmy Burrows has done a thousand shows, and he adds a lot. He you know he's and he does dozens of pilots. And most of them go on the air, and then he'll do the first few shows to set everything. But in terms of, A, to be the regular director on a show is to be a part of the cast. You know everything, and you lead them and keep them in. in you, know, you know the parameters. A guy who comes in to do a show or two shows is just a traffic cop. The, the cast can tell him rather than him telling them.
1: You directed a lot of stuff. The New Dick Van Dyke Show. You directed an episode of That yes, Girl. That lots, of, w- lots of luck, a show you created oh, yes. with Sam. Uh, yes. Roll Freddy Roll, which you showed us at the house.
2: Roll Freddy Roll, which I'll show Tim, Conway. Yeah, Tim, Tim Conway. Tim Conway. Uh, this is a premise.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell him the premise. Well, of first roll of Freddy all, roll. Yeah.
2: you know, people say, who's the funniest person you ever worked with? And it's Tim Conway.
1: Hands down, huh? You, don't have, you down. don't have to think about it.
2: Who's the most creative? Dick Van Dyke. But, and Dick is funny, but he's classically funny. Timmy is funny in a thousand different ways. So uh, I wrote this movie. Sammy and I wrote this movie, which I directed. And it was about a really loser guy. And his wife divorced him. He has a little son. And the wife married, she married Jan Murray. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was cool. and he owned the used car lot in the valley big sid
1: it's on youtube people can watch oh, it oh yeah? yeah
2: and uh, so they go on their honeymoon and he catches a world record swordfish and tim and he's having a uh, guinness book of records sale at his used car lot and tim has the kid and a, taking the kid roller skating And the kid only wants to go to the party. with the, And it's so sad. Poor Timmy is like this little schlep guy. And uh, when they go to leave, they lost his shoes. So he only has the roller skates. So he says, I'm not giving you the roller skates. Do you give me my shoes? Now he goes out with these red, white, blue (laughs) roller skates. And he ends up, because somebody thinks he's trying to break the record for being on roller skates, (laughs) He ends up on roller skates for a week. (laughs) It was Tim Conway. It was hilarious. Just him trying to open a heavy glass door took 10 minutes. He went off a curb and got his wheels caught in a sewer. And he's trying to get a physical comedy. Oh, my God. And the last part of the thing is that he... uh, he broke the record and all the press people are trying to get to him and he's backing up and he goes down a hill and he's out of control going down a hill and he did stuff. We did a day of shooting the stunts. At one point he gets on the back of a motorcycle. He suddenly <laughs> grabs the guy motorcycle was going about 15, 20 miles an hour. And Timmy just went right up on the back. He went down a hill we had a stunt man to do that and the stuntman said, You know, I really I really don't think I'm gonna do that. So Timmy said, I'll do it. So he goes down this hill. There was smoke coming out of the wheels. I mean, it was <laughs> unbelievable. Anyway, all kinds of stuff. He was going down a hill and a guy had a push broom and he grabbed the push broom and he hooked it around a pole and skated <laughs> abroad. I mean, it was unbelievable. And when we were driving back, I was so excited. And I said, Timmy, I gotta, I gotta confess something to you. Until today, I didn't know I could direct a stunt scene. He said, you know what? I didn't know I could roller skate. <laughs> That's great. I know I went through that stop
1: sign back there, sir, but uh, I'm sorry, and uh, there's a logical explanation. Thank you. Yes.
0: You see, uh, my skate uh, came off my brake, and I got it stuck in my accelerator,
2: sir. So you can see it right here, sir. If just uh, want to take a take a look, so you can see it right there.
0: Uh, will you get will you get out of your car, please, sir?
1: Uh, that's pretty difficult, sir.
2: Yeah. Have you been drinking,
1: sir? No, no, sir. I I haven't. It's it's the skate.
0: Why are you driving with your skates?
1: Uh, well, I'm not allowed to take them off.
0: Not allowed? No, sir. You see, well, if I took them off, I'd start all over, and then, well, I'd lose five hours. I'm going to have to ask you to perform a sobriety test, sir. Wait a minute, officer. I told you I haven't been drinking.
1: He didn't practice on the skates no, for weeks. He just, he just put them he on. Was, uh, Here, I, yo, one episode of Welcome Back, Cotter, which you referred yes. to. A- now, Alice. Tim,
0: Tim Conway and Harvey Korman were oh, close.
2: Oh, yeah. And Harvey just was a slave to Tim. I mean, yeah. he couldn't <laughs> put up with He would laugh. It was just unbelievable. They, I, I don't think they were really that great friends off. Harvey was kind of on his own. Mm -hmm. you know on his own place but uh on the air and in things they were unbelievable was it somebody that told us harvey corman did shakespeare oh yeah it was very good yeah he he did 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 a great he did a great hamlet carl said it was one of the great hamlets that he he saw perform someone told us that Wow. wow the Betty White show you directed? Yes, I do. Oh, God, she with was With John good. Hillerman? John Hillerman, yes. That's one of your favorites, Gilbert.
0: Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. he was oh a terrific God. guy.
2: You like John?
0: Oh, yeah. I've never met him, never worked He's with him. He's
1: a classy him. guy. Terrific actor. We should try to get him on. How, uh, this I love. Well, Baby, I'm Back, we won't talk about. No. Cause you. Because we'll
2: skip
0: now, Hillerman right over to Mon was Wilson. on uh, with Tom Selleck. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Magnum. Yeah. Right, right, right,
2: Magnum. Yeah. Right. Magnum. Then I did the one, uh, what was it? It was with Catherine Hellman and Donna Amici.
1: Uh, let's see. Which one was that?
2: I don't know. I I was that was like working with an old movie star. Don Amici. Don Amici, for God's Forgot.
0: What say. was Don Amici
2: like? He was with. wonderful. Such a professional. Jesus, he was driven. And, and Catherine is unbelievable. I I directed her on uh, on Who's the Boss.
1: You di- then you directed. I love this one. Uh, the Waverly Wonders with Joe Namath. Yes. <laughs> Yes. In fact, I think you directed the
2: pilot. I directed the pilot and a couple of, the thing is we had this show about this high school basketball coach and one of the things is there was a girl on it and that was before that was even a possibility. But they only had five kids <laughs> that could play in school. And so Joe had just retired from the from the Jets. Or where was he at? Yeah. No, he had left the Jets yeah. already. the Rams, it, I think. Yeah, he left like, and he was in L.A. And someone said, do you think we could get Joe Namath to do this? So I had a meeting with him. Greatest guy. God, was he a terrific guy. Oh. You know, the stars, everybody has to have a celebrity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cary Grant, no matter who, you, he has to have somebody. And I remember once I was in the Universal commissary. And I mean, it was loaded with Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman and, and Henry Fonda. And I mean, it was buzz, 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 buzz. And all of a sudden it was like they cut the soundtrack. Sandy Koufax walked in. Wow. That was a hero to them. I love that. And when I met Joe at the, for the first time, I met him at the Beverly Hills hotel and there used to be the polo lounge over in, in the corner. And then there was a stairway way over to the right to some rooms. And he was in a suite down there. So I met him at the door. And, the, you know, it was around 7 o'clock. People were all coming in, going out. It was crowded. And as we walked from the door across to the steps, do you remember the old E.F. Hutton commercial? Where when E.F. Huntin's talks, oh, everybody. yes, and yes. What it was, everybody froze in place. Yes. That's what it was when Joe Namath walked through that lobby. It was like everybody, there was no sound behind him. And as people saw him, it was either him or me they were reacting to. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> Wait a minute, I've been telling the wrong story. It was amazing.
0: Well, now we're going to destroy whatever entertainment value was in this show,
1: Gilbert will like this one, uh, How to Pick Up Girls, the TV movie. Listen oh. to this cast, Gil. Desi Arnaz Jr., Richard Dawson, Alan King, and Abe Vigoda.
0: Oh, my
2: God. Abe, Abe, Abe was so sweet. God, yeah. That was about a book a guy right, wrote. The, a very right, successful that's right. book. Yeah.
1: What was Almost it, Heaven with Ava Gabor and Jay that's
2: Ava Gabor is a punchline. <laughs> you got to forget Ava Gabor. <laughs> yeah. Just t- say, tell me about Almost Heaven. Okay. Tell us, <laughs> oh, oh, with Robert Hayes and Jay yeah, Leno. Yeah, Jay Leno's first part. Was it his first yes. part? Yes. So anyway, I'm doing this pilot at Paramount, and it's almost heaven. It's about a bunch of people who haven't quite gotten to heaven yet, and they have missions to do down on Earth. You know, very original. And anyway, there was the boss at heaven, and— it was either going to be Sid. It was either going to be Milton Berle, or uh, oh, uh, Bilko. Uh, Phil Silvers. Phil Silver's. One day it was Phil. One day it was Milton. One day it was Phil. <laughs> one day it was Milton. And I came in in the morning and I said, "We got to have a decision." They said, "We have." I said, "Who is it?" They said, "Ava Gabor. <laughs> <laughs> She oh. was wonderful, Oh Lord. but, I mean, it's just so hysterical. Casting is is a thing. I mean, I was doing a pilot, and we needed a comic, and so we looked at everybody, we looked at everybody, and they said to me, okay, there's a guy who's playing at Harrah's in Tahoe. We have booked you on an 8 o'clock flight. You'll get in at 9.30. There'll be a limo there. You'll be able to see his 10 o'clock show. And his midnight show. Then you'll spend some time with him. And then there's a four o'clock flight, and you'll come back and you'll be here. And they said, I said, no. They said, what do you mean, no? I said, I wouldn't do that. They said, why? I said, because if I died doing that, I would never forgive myself. That is, that is the stupidest. I said, Reno Airport is not easy to go into. I'm not going to risk taking off and going in the middle of the winter for something as stupid as this. Tell us
1: about working with George Segal. You directed George Segal in, yes, in a drama, Down. Yes, in a drama. Oh, in a drama. Yes. Finding the Good Capture Bar Killer. Capture the
2: Good Bar Killer. Yeah. It was George Segal's first movie, television movie. And at that point in time, it was a downgrade for a guy. Oh, to do TV. To do TV. Yeah. And uh, so he was he was terrific, but he was still a star on a Hollywood, you know, a Hollywood star, not a movie of the week star. Shelley Hack was in there. Yeah, and Joe Spinell. And Joe Spinell, yeah. yeah. Oh, the, God, I did that for Sonny Grasso. You know Sonny Grasso is... I know Sonny Grasso is yeah. the guy who, with his partner, broke the French connection. Yeah. Yes, Pope yes, Doyle. and he became a producer. But first, he became an advisor and stuff. He was on an advisor on The Godfather, <laughs> and the scene in the in the toll booth. Oh yes, he went up to Francis when they were showing what they were going to do, and he said, Francis. You can't do this scene the way you know with all that. I mean, there'd be nothing left of Long Island at that with all those guns and all those bullets. And he said, "You'll be a laughing stock if you do that. It's very non-authentic." And I have to caution you. And he said, "Well, I really feel I should do it, Sonny." He said, "Okay, but I just want to be on record because you know I'm trying to get a reputation, and I I want it on record that I said this is a mistake." So they did the scene, which turned out to be one of the most amazing scenes <laughs> in the world. <laughs> and Sonny said, I'm off record. Said, you should have Sonny on. Here. Sonny Grosso. Oh, oh yeah. my God. What good. stories. And,
0: and getting back
2: to, because you mentioned the Godfather,
0: getting back to uh, Abe Vigoda. Oh, God, Abe was so sweet. Yeah. Tell us
2: about Abe Vigoda. Cause... He was... You always thought he was sick. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why didn't they declared you, him dead. Did so you maybe. always thought he, he had an upset stomach at, at all times? He was, you was an athlete. He huh? was a
1: runner. He was a handball player. I know, but it he, turns he out just, yeah. he
2: just—he just looked like you wanted to give him a pepto bismol or <laughs> something. But what an actor and what a sweet man. Yeah, he's always See, sweet. what amazes me about
0: him. Is in real life he was this Jew complaining about his ailments, right. and as Tessio, he's so chilling.
2: Oh God, yeah, yeah. No, he was a he was a craftsman. You know, I mean, he could he could do it all.
1: They say he got that part at an open a- audition that oh, he didn't yeah. have representation, and Coppola was willing to see yeah. some actors without agents. And Boy, he walked, he, was he so walked on. Oh, he movie.
0: was terrific yeah. in that.
1: And you directed
2: the pilot of Who's the Boss? Who's the boss? Yeah, and you know it. it, it Doing pilots is great. And and I did pilots, and I would always have an understanding. I said, you have to understand, I direct as a writer. I'm not in competition with your script, but I will see stuff. And I know this from being a writer myself, that when I saw the Van Dyke show and what Dick would do with something that you didn't imagine was there, and he would find it, and uh, I said, so I will write stuff and if you don't want that then don't hire me but it also is really it really excites the actors because there's a certain amount of improvisation to it so I that's how I, I directed and and I got Tony and uh, then the interesting thing is uh, the little girl, what's it, Melissa Melano. every Milano, yeah. time I see her now playing a slut I want to smack her <laughs> I felt I felt like I I I felt like I did the wrong job. I mean, you know, when you have kids on your shows and they grow up, you really always you become very parental. I mean, especially on a series, all the kids on Kate and Alley. I mean, they all grew up and became, you know, acting people. But they were adults, and to me, they were always little kids. And uh, God damn, I I love this woman. I forget it. Who who? Catherine Helmand? No, the. The the star.
0: Uh, Oh, oh, uh, oh, jeez! Brilliant, brilliant.
2: She's on. uh, uh, She's on a lost show now. I think. No, she's on the uh, gay show. The the show. Which are we talking about? Well, you know what's funny? As you get older, yeah, you get (laughs) you get further and further away. You say, oh, she was. Oh, she was on uh, the one with he was in it, and. (laughs) They were in. Uh, it was that the city. To and he, every week, he, on this show. and then the guy who who remember and you just you're a million miles away. Judith Light. Judith Light. <laughs> ah, there you go. I'm so glad. Judith. I'm so glad because I would have gotten that at about four in the morning. And uh, that's the worst when you wake up in the middle of the night when you're old. Screaming Judith and Light. You, no. And you, for some reason, think of an, of an actor out of nowhere. Right. And you can't remember his name. Well,
1: the last time you did the show, oh. you couldn't remember the name of the woman who created Baby, I'm Back. Yes. So yes. we're going to set the record straight. It was Lila Garrett. Lila Garrett.
2: Yeah. Anyway, Judith Light. <laughs> and to this day, she we are great friends. And she is a brilliant actress and a real great lady. But they did not want her for some reason and I just fought for her and fought for her and fought for her and she got the part and she, you know, was sensational. And when I finished the pilot, I said to the writers, who I am not even gonna try to remember, but they were wonderful and they said, that was great. I said, yeah, I said, the pilot was great. I don't know what you're going to do next week. And they ran for <laughs> a years. long time. I still get checks. For who's the boss? Yeah, I got like, I think they're going down in value. But <laughs> I think I got one for uh, $6 or something recently. Now, when you
0: watch a sitcom or other shows, for that matter, <clears throat> what really gets you, uh, annoys you in the writing and directing and structure
1: well,
2: I like. I hate two broke girls because, and I'm sorry, because a yeah. great guy wrote it. I mean, yeah. you know, he wrote. Uh, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> give me a hint. <laughs> he he wrote and created the one with the girl who was so no, it was Sex in the City. Uh, oh, Darren Starr? Yeah. Uh, oh, oh no, oh, the, the other guy. Yeah, Michael Patrick King. Michael Patrick King, lovely, lovely guy, and. You know, this show works like crazy, but I hate shows that are about getting to the joke rather than the joke coming out of what has to happen. You know, like, there's a... People will say, wouldn't it be great to do a joke here? And then you back up and you try and get to it. And then there's the thing where you're telling the story and then you have to make that funny. And when people... Obviously had a joke that they're trying to get to. That always bothers me, you know. What else did
1: I do? Well, Gilbert will appreciate this. You directed a pilot called Night and Day starring Jack Warden, an actor that we talk about. Oh, God, re- I don't even remember do you, that. You don't remember oh, directing
2: Jack Warden, Mason Adams, and Hope Lang. Jesus, I totally don't remember Does that. Does it
0: ring a bell? Do you remember anything about Jack Warden? Oh, I
2: loved Jack Warden, yeah, and I knew him, and I loved Hope Lang. Did I, t- I got a great Hope Lang story. Okay. <laughs> I was going back and forth between New York and L.A. because I was involved with a—, a bad relationship in LA which I am great at but I got over it I got over it 20 years to the best woman in the world anyway I was going out to there and I loved to stay at the Beverly Hills Hotel I mean it was the most fun in the world not the new one but the old one it was really great and my twin daughters would play Charlie's Angels in the in the Beverly Hills Hotel they loved that and uh at any rate, I was going to L.A. and and I Mary Tyler Moore and Hope were really Hope Lang were really great friends. And when Mary came to New York, she didn't know anybody really but me from the band. So we spent a lot of time together. And she and Hope rented a house out in the Hamptons because my friends and I had one, so they were nearby. Anyway, I said I'm going to L.A. and Hope said, "Oh, you have to stay at my house." And I said, "No, I I'm not good at that." She said. No, you really have to. It's beautiful and it's thing and, and there was no way to avoid it. So now I go to Hope Lang's house and it's the kind of thing where you open a drawer and there's underwear in it and shit like that. <laughs> you know. And I'm not happy. I just want to get out of it. So finally I get in the bed and I'm watching television, going to sleep. And all of a sudden, about three in the morning, I hear this screaming. And I wake up, and on the screen there is a guy strangling Hope Lang. <laughs> bizarre. I swear to God, no, you can't make this up. How bizarre! And I just said, I said, Hope, this place is cursed for me. I'm going to bed. <laughs> but can you believe that I'm in her bed, and there's a guy strangling her? And she was the wife on the new Dick Van Dyke Show. Yes, she was. Hope Lang. shot in Cave Creek. Yes, which you directed. Oh, and Sam and I wrote one that was so great. We wrote one called "The Sioux and the Jew," and we spelled them. We spelled them. We spelled Jew J O I U X, and it was about J U I X. That <laughs> just like so, and it was about this guy who owned the delicatessen in Arizona, and this Indian came and was selling stuff in front of his store, and he didn't like it, and then they became great friends. But it was the Sioux and the Jew.
0: <laughs> and she was Charles Bronson's
2: wife in Death Wish. She was. Yes. Great girlfriend of Sinatra. Hope Ooh. Lang. Oh, yes.
0: Did she have any stories about Sinatra? Yes,
2: not to me, but but Bernie, uh, Saul and Bernie Ornstein and Turtletop, they did that show and they lived in Cave Creek, Arizona. Right. And one, and one day, Hope said, you're going to come to dinner tonight. Frank is cooking. They said, Frank is cooking. He flew in. He, Bernie said it's the best Italian meal he ever had. Really? So Sinatra wow. flew
1: in and cooked a home. Yeah, made well, a I'm home sure he himself.
2: didn't fly in to cook. I mean, right. he Had, right. had other plans. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, how long could dinner last? <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, oh, you told me before we got on the air that you have a story. Oh, it's
2: so funny. Yeah. I have this. Uh, I have this family. the The mother, Casey Frazier, is a young woman who I found when she was 13 doing stand-up comedy. And she was brilliant. I saw her at the duplex, and I did one-woman shows for her, and and she became like my child. And now she has three kids. One of the the, the oldest one is a singer-songwriter who is unbelievable, Skyler. And then uh, Amaya, I mean Maeve, the middle one, is 13, and she's a stand-up comic. She's doing all the clubs and everything. And then Amaya, who is eight, is in the New York City School of Ballet. And I found out tonight, because I saw Casey, that Amaya was picked to be in Swan Lake, the big production, as one of the children. So they're an amazing family. And their names are Press. And I said, we gotta do a series called Press 3 for more options, because they're hysterical together. Skyler and Maeve went to the auditions for, for uh, America's Got Talent. Mm-hmm. 2,000 people. They both, out of three kids, called back, and both of them did it. Maeve did stand up and Skyler sang. But at any rate, I told Casey, I'm going to do this. So she said, oh, my God. She said, when we lived in, in Cyberson Town and Skyler was about two, her favorite thing in the world was the show with the parrot. <laughs> what was that one? Aladdin? I don't know. What we, Did you do a, a series? Yeah, was there, a yeah series? There,
0: was, there was a series yeah. of Aladdin. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
2: Sky, Skylar only loved that. And your sister lived right next door to them. And one night, Skylar starts hearing the parrot next door. Uh-ha! How bizarre, and she said, "Mom, it's the parrot. It's the parrot." And they said, "She said, yes, dear. It sounds like the parrot."
1: <laughs> I want to fly through some of your writing credits here too. Uh, we, we we're going to jump around, but you mentioned Ronnie Shell, who's our guest. Oh God, who's our guest
2: anything he told you was a
1: lie. <laughs> What a hilarious guy. Well, I got to tell you. You they, did Good Morning I, World with, yes, with yes. Ronnie, he and was, Ronnie and Goldie Ronnie
2: and Goldie Hahn were in that, and and he was the uh, Marlowe's agent on that. You know who were originally right. you know re- original I'm going to say it was George Carlin. It was George Carlin. George Carlin was an actor when we were playing, doing, and he got the part of Marlowe's agent. On that and girl? He had, uh, uh, yeah, on that girl. And he was a guy. He had a suit and a thin tie, and he was the straightest person in the world. After three shows, he didn't show up and we had to replace him. We didn't know where he was or what he was doing or what happened. We thought he was dead. We went through, he went off to become George Carlin, you know, <laughs> but we got Ronnie Shell was the, was her, her agent. But Ronnie Schell, was it Harvey Peck? Harvey Peck. God, you just, uh, you could be my memory. <laughs>
1: What does
2: it ah, mean? <laughs> ah, 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 ah. I wrote, a, I wrote a, a piece that was in the LA Times. It was uh, called The Maintenance Man. And it's that at a certain point, you have a new job. You're a maintenance man, you've taken care of your own maintenance. And you have to be friends with two other maintenance men to remember something, you know? <laughs> and at, at any rate, uh, Ronnie used to do a thing that I don't know if it'll play on the radio you know on hearing it, but he would always say, is there a part in it for me? You know, is there a part? Is there a part? He would go around everybody and say, is there a, is there a part for me? So Sam and I used to say, yeah, there's a part about this Englishman. And Ronnie said, yeah, I I could I could do that. He said, yeah, but his mother was Chinese. Then he would start doing a Chinaman whose <laughs> mother was was Chinese. An Englishman's mother, Chinese. Then you say, but his father, his father was from India. And so then he'd incorporate that. And and he has a limp. <laughs> he'd start <laughs> to limp. And eventually he would incorporate everything, 20 things, all into it to the point where the guy couldn't walk. He had to crawl. <laughs> he'd be on the floor. And he would in, unerringly immediately be able to do whatever whatever, whatever you Talented said. Talented guy. He was. He yeah. was funny. Yeah, he was and funny. he did
1: everything. Uh, let's see. Here's some other fun stuff. Uh, I have to ask you about <laughs> Three for Tahiti. Which, oh, my God. <laughs> which, which starred our friend Bob Einstein. Bob Einstein, Bob Hogan. And the, the late, great Steve Franken.
2: Steve Franken. And Alan. Uh, Who was the other? Uh, Alan. Oh God, Alan! I'll look it up. Yeah, so we go to Tahiti in 1969, and uh, "Mutiny on the Bounty" had been there, but nobody—I mean, that was a big motion picture company—but nobody had ever tried to shoot down there other than that, oh, and they had trouble because as beautiful as the Tahitians were, most of them didn't have teeth <laughs> because they—they kept—they kept eating. Sugar, beautiful, but without cheese. Sh- yeah, sugar cane, and, and and sugar cane, and they would eat butter. And the way that that mutiny on the Bounty got them to report because they were wonder. God, I loved it. And they didn't give a damn. And as long as they had enough to buy some beer, they'd show up. Then they wouldn't show up. So they had to find a way to get them to come back every day. So they brought down a dentist who built bridge work for all the. People in the movie, <laughs> and at night they had to turn in their teeth, so that that's why they would come come back in the morning. At any rate, we went down there with the Dodge pickup truck. That's what we had, and we had no idea what was happening. Bobby Einstein was in it, and we checked into to the hotel. And while we were checking in, Bob got his room first. Although they said, "Well, it may not be made up or whatever," so he went to his room first. And he came back forty minutes later, and he had already gotten laid. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the woman who was checking out. <laughs> so anyway, we, we we did this incredible show. God, did we have fun! Funny
1: guys. We you remember Steve Franken from the, from the he was the waiter in the party. Oh yes. You remember him? Yeah. He passed away young. Am I eating raw fish?
2: Right. Why am I eating raw fish? Because that's what they eat in Tahiti. Are you expect me to live in a place where they eat raw fish? Well, that's the only thing I'm going to serve around here. So you can either eat the raw fish here or there. And there they've got girls. <laughs> oh, look, it's not so easy. Oh. God, we drank. Oh, did we dance? Nobody ever slept. Nothing. <laughs> and they had they had this thing there called a stonefish. And it, if you stepped on it, you know, it looked like a rock, but it was spiny, and you were dead immediately. So everybody was very careful when they went in the water. And I met this woman, and we went for a swim, and everybody had, you'd keep flip-flops on in the water. And her flip-flop floated away, and I started to go after it, and I said, nah, Nah. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. (laughs) And one night Marlon Brando came over, because he had that uh, Taya Roa, his island. God, it was fun. You know what happened? Everybody, including me, five guys came back and got divorced.
1: Everybody came back from Tahiti and got divorced. Absolutely. How bizarre.
2: Yeah, well, nobody had any affairs, but you suddenly said, Jesus, I don't have to take any shit. Like, look how easy life is. And for years afterwards, when I saw any of the crew guys, you'd be walking on a lot, and they'd say... Tahiti. And you say, yeah. It was unbelievable.
1: We did Einstein did this show and he is one of the funniest oh, people God. ever walked the yeah. earth.
2: We did it on the phone or here? Yeah,
1: he was on this phone. He just ripped us oh. from, <laughs> from start to finish. He his boy. <laughs> yeah. God damn, is he a funny man?
2: Now you worked with Sonny and Cher. At a point where they were not hireable, really. Yeah. We had written an album. When 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 I had my first child. I started writing, you know, incidents of things that came up. And then Sam and I took it and we wrote an album called The First Nine Months of the Hardest. With Lenny Weinrib. Lenny Weinrib did the album. Uh It was a really terrific album. And we decided that we could make it into a TV special. But we wanted to have three real couples. So Dick Van Dyke was going to play the obstetrician that tied the whole thing together and we had uh kenny oh ken berry ken berry and right. his wife jackie, who was joseph. A, jackie joseph who were really great comedian and then we had uh jimmy Ferentino yeah and michelle, and michelle lee were the other couple and we needed another couple and we said well what about sunny and share and the network said no they're, they're, they're. so finally there was no other couple so we got them and they were wonderful, and that's where they their series, the next thing immediately.
1: There's there's some great, this great stuff here. We don't have time to get to to. I'm going to throw wild cards at you, and you get to pick. Do you want to talk a little bit about the funny side?
2: The funny side was an outgrowth of the first nine months of the hardest. Right, we did Gene a Kelly? show originally called. The Americans, and we hired, we wanted a wealthy couple, an African-American couple, a blue-collar couple, a, you know, a senior citizen couple, and a young teenage couple. And uh, what's her name? Uh, Cindy Williams. Cindy Williams yep. was the, with with Michael Lembeck. Correct. God, I'm telling you. Look, this, is, you <laughs> this is better than <laughs> taking a test at NYU. You Son of a <laughs> zipper. And you work with our friend John, uh, John Amos. John Amos was one. on it, and and... It was an original musical comedy every week. and the music was written by Dave Frischberg. You know, Dave Frischberg, my attorney Ernie, and oh, he is get an album of David Frischberg. Okay. He is the best. And we did original music every week. We'd take a subject and it would be played out by oh God, ambitious was, yeah and, and 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 we had what's oh. God, Bert Mustin. I was just going to say, tell Gilbert who played the Bert, Bert Muston. Oh God, Bert Mustin, the most adorable, Drew's wonderful favorite. man in the world. God did, loved him with did, Queenie Smith. Queenie Smith.
0: Did anybody ever know his actual age?
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was about eighty-six, I think. Wow. You know, he was a he was a a, a cadet at the Citadel. Yeah. And, I did know that. Yeah. Did and you guys he sing showed, in a barbershop quartet, quartet And Yeah, he used to say he had a yeah. barbershop quartet and uh-huh. I sang with them a few times. And uh we had these dance numbers. Warren Berlinger was was sure, in. I remember it. him. And and uh Oh, who were the wealthy couple? They went on to be writers. Uh,
1: well there were Dick Claire and, and Jenna McMahon. Dick Claire
2: and Jenna McMahon went on to do a lot of writing. Funny writers. They were like a a, a shishi club act, like you know, like downstairs at the up, upstairs at the downstairs and stuff. And uh, Bert, we'd be doing rockette numbers, and he's dancing and his legs are swelling and everything. <laughs> Never complain. And then Gene Kelly became our host. We had different hosts all the time. We had Jack Benny when we did a show about money, and I forget, who I remember Jack, and then Gene was the regular host. And we did a scene where we did a show where there was a haunted house in it. I don't know what the premise was. And they all went to this haunted house, and they were scared. And then Gene had this mask, one of those rubber masks on, and he said, it's over, it's over. And he pulled the mask off, and his toupee came with it. And he said, it's all over. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) He said, burn that. What a great guy. Gene Kelly was? God was he a great guy. Sam and I met him. We used to do. It wasn't the upfronts; they didn't call it that. When you know, when they'd introduce the new shows to the affiliates, they would do a show. And ABC, we did that show. It it kept us alive for a couple of years in Chicago. We would do that show, and so whoever was on that that year to be introduced, we would do a show with them. And when Kelly was on doing going my way, and we started working. With him, And he said, I'd like to do, maybe we'll do a takeoff on Smith Smith in and Joe out. It's an old vaudeville thing. We we had no idea what he was talking about. And he then come up with another one and another one. And we would say, yeah, yeah, we didn't know what that. And then we walked in one day and we said, Gene, we think we have the thing we should do. And we made up this thing, the rent is due. And we said, how about doing the rent is due? He said, I love it. <laughs> and we said, you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but the funniest thing that happened on that show was Jack Palance was doing the uh, greatest show on earth. Well oh, that's,
1: that's one of the stories in your
2: book. Yeah, Jack greatest Palance's show right. on earth. And so he had just come in from murdering I don't know a whole nation of people in a movie in Italy and he was tired and he was grumpy and uh, so he he came out you know everybody came out and he was sitting there and watched at the rehearsal and uh, he came out and said the greatest show on earth and I'm sure it's gonna be and so forth and so on and then we had the rehearsal everything was fine and then his agent calls us and he says everybody has a joke He said, yeah. He said, Jack wants a joke. We said, well, Jack, you don't think of Jack with jokes. He said, no, Jack really wants a joke. So now we're sitting with Jack Palance. He's exhausted. (laughs) He still has blood on him from the movie. He's terrifying. (laughs) We came up with, I mean, everything. And he just stared at us. And it was like two and a half hours. And finally, I don't even remember the joke. That's how... Terrified. We were. And he went. <laughs> and his agent said, he, he wants to do that one.
0: <laughs>
2: so now we say, OK. And we say, Jack, here's something to say if the joke doesn't work. It's called a saver. He said, why isn't it going to work? It'll work. But just so it doesn't, you, you say this and that'll get the laugh. And he said, uh, 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 he said, you say, and the writers told me that was funny. And that'll get you a laugh. So now he goes and he does the joke and the place falls down, standing, screaming, laughing. And when the thing dies, he says, and the writers told me that was
1: funny. <laughs> <laughs> Did the joke and the saber. And he,
2: and, he, and he disappeared and his agent couldn't find him. For weeks, he had just gone off on something. God, <laughs> I, should, I tell you. Plug it
1: was, your, your, that's one of the, the stories in your book that I should plug. It's so much fun. My Life is a Situation comedy. Yes, yes. Is and the, I didn't it, get to so book.
2: much of it. And that's in there. Okay. Well, the tap dance lesson is in there, isn't it? Which one? The tap, Gene Kelly yep, and the tap dance lesson. tap in there. And tell us something about Carl Reiner. How much time do you have? <laughs> Carl Reiner is the greatest gift that anyone could have in their life. He is the gentlest, the kindest, the funniest, the most courageous person. Here's a perfect example of Carl Reiner. You said we wrote 29 scripts. I thought we wrote 40-something.
1: I don't know. According to
2: IMDb, 29. But that could be wrong. What else? What we were doing instead. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, anyway, CBS recently did a special with two colorized versions. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Both of your episodes. Yeah, both of them. Well, that's the point. Uh, They did it on a Sunday night in December, and they picked two shows, and both of them were shows that Sam and I had written. And when you realize that Carl Reiner had been involved in 150 shows, he'd written probably 40, and he chose... Two of our shows rather than one of his shows, and he said these best represent what the Van Dyke show is about. So that's that's wow. Carl Reiner, you know. Well, wow.
0: wow, this is our baby, and that's all there is to it.
2: Honey, he doesn't even look like us. Wow. You see?
1: All I see is our baby with a blue foot. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, uh, ink.
1: How did it get there?
2: Jerry and I put it on. <laughs> We're just running a series of tests.
0: Rob, there are no series of tests in the world that are going to convince me that is not our baby.
2: Oh, honey, I don't blame you. You can't face the facts. Poor kid.
0: Oh, Rob.
2: Well, honey, that's probably the Peters now. Brace yourself.
0: Rob, nobody is taking this baby. Do you hear me? Nobody.
1: Well, I think it'd be better if you went to your room. I can handle
2: it. Change your life. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. God, yeah. I mean, when you did the Van Dyke show back then, you would go to a party or whatever, and you'd just sit there, not pushing, and someone would finally say, what do you do? And you'd say, I write the Dick Van Dyke show. That was it. It's all anyone cared about. He, and he, it was that revered. Back then,
0: I remember I heard when they did the reunion, Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, that when Carl Reiner walked in, sat in the director's chair, he like threw it all together in like two <clears throat> minutes. Yeah, he said, "Okay, you there, you there, you take a pause there, go and <clears throat> it's like."
2: Yeah, he and I did a rewrite at the at the Bel Air Hotel on the thing. You know who was great in that was 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 Mary. Because by that time, she was Mary Tyler Moore and had had this huge success. But in the re- reunion, she was Laura Petrie, And so that mm-hmm. she was one of the players. And she just accepted that and not being featured, not being, you know, it was, it, they were great people. They were all great people.
0: And, and you mentioned
2: <laughs> Jack Benny before. Yes. Tell us about Benny. What do you feel about him? That's what he is, sweet, funny, laid back, and he was so great because we were doing this show about money and who better? <laughs> to do a show we about weren't
1: money. bullshitting. You worked with everybody.
2: Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Who, who else have I got? I mean, countless other
1: people. Tell tell Gil, and we'll we'll use Carl. We'll use uh, as a segue uh, to go out because we have a little piece of music. But I read the book again for the second time. Again, my life is a situation comedy. I think Gilbert right. would appreciate the Bing Crosby story oh. with your babysitter,
2: your housekeeper. <laughs> well, this is a story. I like it already. This is a story I tell about like when I'm speaking at colleges and stuff and I talk about cell phones and that in a way they take away as much as they give because m- most cell phones – conversations, you're not communicating, you're contacting, you know, and and they get in the way of stuff. And I said, here's a situation that never would have happened if there had been cell phones. Back in 1961, we had just had a baby and we had a house and we had this housekeeper Levy Leventhal. She was. I love her name. She too. was. Yeah. She was from. She could have been the symbol of America instead of the eagle, and you would have accepted. <laughs> she was like George Patton, who could bake the best pies in the world, if you mix those two together. And uh, she had come to, to Arizona in a covered wagon, and her father had put. I mean, that's how old she was. And she was so friggin' American. It was unbelievable. She was really something. And she had never met Jews until <laughs> us. I was the first Jew. And, and she oh, said, sweet. You, you people, you people are really fine. And you know, that was it. That was nothing like when I went to grammar school for a year in hot springs arkansas in 1941 and i was the first jew ever in the school system (laughs) and they were waiting for me for 2000 years (laughs) that was that was fun that was when i met arliss simpson who was as big as a house he was in the fourth grade with me he was probably around 14 or 15 you know i was nine and the University of Arkansas was trying to figure out how to skip him to college so they could get him in his prime. But anyway, Levy was a real tough woman. She had moved to California because one of her kids was there. Anyway, it was Christmas Eve, and we were going to Danny Thomas's Christmas Eve party, which was one of the great events. Everybody was there. God, was it fun. Every comic in town. So we were going and we were leaving Levy and she said, I'm going to be fine. She said, I have some some tea and I have some cookies I made and I've got my favorite thing. I'm going to watch White Christmas. I love it. I watch it every year. And I said, you know what? You wrote it. (laughs) And she said, I say, you people, you're fine. (laughs) So... (laughs) <laughs> so we go to the party. She's got white Christmas on. We come home around twelve thirty, one o'clock. And that's in those days, the television used to go off at midnight. Sure, yeah. and, it was, and all you'd get yeah. was the white thing yeah. and a noise, a hissing noise if you left the center. And we walk in the door and Levy is out, gone. And the white light. And, and I swear I thought she was dead. <laughs> and I cautiously walk over to her not to scare her or myself if she is dead. And I whisper, Levy, are you all right? And she slowly opens her eyes and says, I'm just wonderful. And I say, oh, that's good. And she says, he was here. And I think she's talking about the baby Jesus that she saw in (laughs) a, in a dream. And I said, who was here? And she said, Bing Crosby. And I said, of course he was. (laughs) He was watching. She said, don't belittle me, buster. And she opens her hand, and there's a thing in it. And I look at it, and it says, thank you and Merry Christmas, Bing Crosby. And I said, what happened? She said, well, I was watching White Christmas, and the doorbell rang, and I got very annoyed. And It rang again. I finally went over, and I said, who is it? And the voice said, It's Bing Crosby. And she said, you're ruining my night. Get the hell out of here. And he said, no, really, ma'am, it's Bing Crosby. Do you have a chain on the door? You get up. So she opened the door and there's Bing Crosby. His car had broken down on his way up to a party on top of the hill where I lived. And he wanted to use the phone to have someone come pick him up. So while they're waiting, she's sitting with Bing Crosby and he's telling her about the movie and all of the stuff and, as he's leaving, she said, Mr. Crosby, would you sing White Christmas just for me? And he did. Amazing. May your days be merry and bright. And may all your Christmas. Up.
0: That to me is as great a Christmas
2: tale it, as any of these. Isn't movies. it just? Isn't it just the best?
0: That would make
1: a movie. Yeah, he was on his way up the
2: hill to a he party. Was, yeah, he was going Christmas to a party, party. And, yeah. he and, to wow. and he <laughs> sat there with her and talked to her. Wow! And had a couple of cookies, and <laughs> he was here, and then sang White Christmas. Wow, that's great. But when I walked in, I, saw it. Oh, <laughs> I thought geez. you'd like that one, Gil. But that's an amazing story. Never happened today.
1: That's right. <laughs> he oh, call you, you, on his cell phone, Le, come pick me up. And does, Levy doesn't get her experience. Levy she doesn't doesn't get have her. So, yeah. so there's
2: stuff that gets taken away from us, spontaneity and, and, and things that happen. You know, another thing I, I noticed about today's stars, people used to have acts like Rich Little. We just had him on. Impersonating yeah. people. Do your impression of Brad Pitt. Or George Clooney. Yeah. Oh, we
1: talked about that very thing with Did Rich. you really? Yeah. Yes, yeah. you did.
2: Because I thought that there's no...
1: We had the same conversation with Rich and Will Jordan. Oh, really? That isn't that funny? Because I started... The Cagneys th- and the Bogarts and the and Edward the G. people Robinson. who had distinctive
2: yeah. style. They're all gone. They're all gone. And everybody is something different in every picture. But there's no classic... I mean, Clooney is great and it's sure. all, But it's a different kind of a thing. They were super types you know Edward G Robbins Yeah, you know? sure as a matter of fact I had a, an act I, everybody did I had an act when I was in college I was doing impressions and I was invited to my daughter's school that when we had done the first nine months of the hardest my daughter was they wanted me to come and screen the thing and tell the kids about what it was so they had a interview with me in the school paper and they the, the teacher the kids said did you did you ever were you ever a performer? I said, yeah, I used to have an act where I did impressions of actors, most of whom are now dead. <laughs> and when the paper came out, it said Dana's father used to do impressions of dead actors. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> oh, everybody. bella Lugosi. You, you did know, Bela Lugosi. I did everybody. Oh,
0: <laughs> let's see you. Know
2: no. <laughs> Please. God, I haven't done in years. Permit me to introduce my I am <laughs> the Count of Acula. It's pretty good. Uh, not, not bad, not bad, uh, especially to an audience who never heard. Not it. Bad. <laughs> but, but you know, the funny thing is, you could do impressions of them dead. Bogart <laughs> would have his hand on his side of his uh, mouth, yeah, and Cagney would be pulling up his pants in the coffin. You know, so yeah. they had such distinctive. And Sullivan, s- Ed everybody, Sullivan. everybody, yeah, had, everybody, had, everybody had a mannerism. Yeah. Today they know yeah. it's and- gone. And
0: you you t- were talking about going to the Christmas party, yeah. And how who was
2: there? Who were some of the people? Joey Bishop, uh, Lenny Kent, Lenny Kent, Lenny Kent, uh, Buddy Hackett, Jan Murray, uh, God, everybody. Name wow. an actor. Uh, name someone else. Uh, they were there. Jack Carter. Jack Carter was there. That's who I was. <laughs> that's who I was trying to that's think of. Stab in the dark. That's how. That's, that's Those sound like they must have been funny. Parties. Oh my God, were they funny? Read Billy's book. There's a lot of
1: good stuff yeah. like that in there. And that Crosby story. Well, that's both the... times I read the book, it stopped me in my tracks. Yeah, I thought really. was amazing. We have to ask you about that,
2: my friend. My friend Tommy Leopold. You know Tommy? He, oh yes. He, he wrote. Had him on here. You no, know, you know. What am yeah, I kidding? Of course. He did a show on the Catholic Channel, and they did a show uh, on Christmas. And uh, they were, you know, with the priest and Tom, who still is Jewish in my mind. Yeah, well,
1: we, <laughs> we read at his roast anyway, when he left.
2: Uh, when he... And anyway, he asked me to tell that story. I was just mm-hmm. there to, you know, hang out with him. And it just stopped the whole thing. I mean, how are you going to follow that? Yeah. I mean, it you is can't. everything it's great, about Christmas.
1: It's a great story, which, yeah. is, which is why we'll go out on it. Yes. And and we'll use the Carl Reiner. It's a little late now for a segue. But Frankie, here's something you, a the theme song from something you and Sam and Carl created together.
2: I used to buy a pickle. It only used to cost a nickel. <laughs> you remember the words? Yeah. Go ahead. And the bus ride only used to, to cost a dime. You remember this, Gil? Damn, of days luck. are all forgotten. The world, Damn, is all rotten. Rotten. The world has all gotten Lots rotten. Of Lots, lot on. On. Lots of luck. Lots of no, luck. Put your phones on. Lots of luck. No, it's <laughs> enough. <laughs> 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 you know, Don <laughs> DeLuise was in that. And it was a brilliant show. And we had made this show. And it was starting to get a little raunchy kind of show before that was happening. And in fact, it was taken from an English show called On the Buses. And in the pilot... They had to go out and buy a new toilet seat. So the show was about a toilet. They ran the pilot. The network said they were supposed to go on after Sanford and Son. And they said, this show is so good, we're going to put it on at 8 o'clock Monday night. And I said, it's not that good. I said, you need Sanford and Son to throw a hand grenade that we can come in after. You put this on with a toilet seat at 8 o'clock and of course, it went down the hill, down the drain. But it was brilliant. We yeah. did some and great Kathleen shows. And Kathleen Freeman. Kathleen. Oh, oh gosh. God. Kathleen was one of the greats. Yeah. One of the greats. Yeah. All There's right. so many people that oh, we could God, ask you yeah. about. Thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed oh, it. Oh, my God. It was jogging my memory. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we covered. Uh... I'll come back. Half. I'll come, come back. and will come back
1: and tell, talk about Billy Barty and Imogene oh, Coca God. and Gino Conforti and Jesse White and Billy DeWolf oh, God. and everybody. Oh, Billy DeWolf. And everybody the else. Next time. Okay. All right, pal. Thanks, guys.
0: And before we close out the show, would you like to say anything about Damon Wilson from
2: Sanford and <laughs> <Sun>? <laughs> God, please. What is he? A, is he is exist? Yeah, he's around. <laughs> what does he do? He's
0: a preacher. <laughs> he is the,
2: he? He yes. opened the car
1: wash that, uh, uh, that Harry, that Harry Craig said Cray he told should to open. Oh, God. He's a preacher? Yeah. Is he
0: really? Yeah. Where? I know that. Uh, I don't know, but that's the last I had heard. How do you come it. up with this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I had said to you, Bill, that... The last time that DeMond Wilson's a preacher and your your reaction was, there's no God.
2: <laughs> oh, I forgot that he Poor was the God. <laughs> Thanks for coming, kiddo. My pleasure. Thank it was fun. you. And you've got an open invitation. Thank you very much. We know where you live. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so this has been Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host Frank Santopadre. And someone who has way, way too many fascinating stories, <laughs> uh, the great Bill person. We
1: barely touched on them. We'll see you again, Bill. Okay.